We're going through a series called what? Unlikely Heroes. And for our visitors, we're really talking about the fact that God uses the least likely people, the least likely people to do his best work. And it's not the people you expect. You know, you expect certain things, certain people to be the kind of people that God uses, but God uses unlikely people like you and like the person next to you to do the best things he does. And we learned that, you know, we've been learning that he doesn't choose qualified people. He qualifies, that's what we talked about when I was here last, isn't it? That he qualifies the people he chooses. And that it's most unlikely. I mean, I loved how uh, Winnie said, I'm a pastor. I love that. That's such, I love the boldness. How many of you, when you're arrested or when, you've, when you find yourself in a situation, say, but I'm a pastor, I don't bribe. I'm a Christian, I don't bribe. That's boldness. It's, it's being able to, it's putting yourself already in the position where you're like, we're not having this conversation. And God uses unlikely people. And now th that person wants to know about Mavuno Church. Unlikely people, that's how God does it. And God can use you. Tell your neighbor, he's talking about you. Yeah, you're the one who will make a difference. That's the kind of person God uses. And then last week, uh, Pastor Angie threw down. Like, I wasn't here. But I just had the, the, I had the trembling from Mombasa. As I, was, as I was sitting there, I won't tell you what I was doing. I was feeling the, tremble, the tremors from this place uh, as Pastor Angie was bringing God's word. Do your part. Let God do his. Amen. Yeah, you know, sometimes we're so overwhelmed by the things God wants us to do, by the fact that we're the ones responsible to bring good news to our neighbors, to our cousins, to our workmates, that we're God's representative. But God says, you know what, don't be intimidated by that. Just do your part because God is the one who saves. Uh, God is the one who saves. So I want us to just jump into the last, um, we're going through the book of Jonah. So the last part of this uh, book. And today we want to talk about the state of the heart. The state of the heart of the heart. The state of your heart is a very important thing. You know, if you read through the book of Jonah, the first three chapters show you the story of a guy who did not want to obey God. He, wanted, he just wanted to do his own thing. Then he reached a crisis and he realized, I need to obey God. Then he obeyed God and he preached and he taught, about, he taught God's word. And then people responded. And if this was a movie, the credits should be coming up at this point. Because, I mean, the work is done. The hero has gone in He's preached into this town, a crazy, crazy nation. People have all come to Jesus, I mean, have come to God. Uh, his mission is done, mission accomplished. Credits should be coming up at this point. But you know what? God is not done with Jonah. And in the same way, God is not done with us. I believe that chapter 4 of Jonah is the most important chapter in this book. Because God is not done with us. God is not just interested in what you do. He's interested in how you do it. He's interested in the state of your heart. He's interested in the motives in your heart. And so I want to talk about the motives that this guy called Jonah had, because I think that they really speak to us. We've just said today that we are blessed people, but I want to show you that even in our being blessed, sometimes our motives are suspect. Verse 1 of Jonah chapter 4, if you turn to Jonah chapter 4, and some of you might have it on your, on your mobile device, some of you have it in your Bible, but Jonah chapter 4 is where we are today. And it says this, it says, Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. Jonah wasn't displeased, he was greatly displeased. What, 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 what's another way to say that? He was pissed, isn't it? He was fed up. He was mad. He was angry. He was unhappy. Why was he unhappy? Verse 2. It says, He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents in sending calamity. Now, O oh God, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, on the, face, on the surface of that verse, it's, it's a bit insane. Eh? Like, God, you're so loving. I hate it. Kill me. Like, who gets annoyed at God because God is good? It's like, what is this guy saying? Why, why would he be angry because God is compassionate? Now, the thing about it is you need to understand that the problem for Jonah is Jonah felt that God was too soft on bad people. 
he felt that God was too soft on bad people. It's a bit like how Kenyans sometimes feel that the government is too soft on corrupt people. Do you feel like that sometimes as a Kenyan? It's like if somebody's arrested and if you find they're even accused, you know they're not going to be arrested. And if they're arrested, you know they're not going to go to court. And if they go to court, you know that that case will never be finished. And if that case... Need I go on? You guys are even looking tired at this thought. Kenyans are just... Mzigo, isn't it? It's like a wait. It's like you know the guy will not... Even if the, the, and if the judgment reaches, you know that this guy will not be guilty. I think when, when our former government, Mike Sonko, was finally... When the Supreme Court upheld the judgment, some of us almost fainted. Like, What? Like, it, it was not inevitable. It was so obvious when the guy was charged that this was wrong, but it was not inevitable that this guy was going to be. So, you know what I'm talking about? Like, you always know some people will come with a way of passing through, and they will not get caught. Are you, am I talking to Kenyans in the house? You guys are looking so American in the, right now. It's like you don't even know what I'm talking about. Yeah, we know. And we know that it's, people are too soft on corrupt people in this nation. That's how Jonah felt about God. It's like you're too soft on bad people. These guys in Nineveh were murderous people. They were corrupt people. They were horrible people. And Jonah is saying, how do you forgive them for what they've done as if they never did anything? That's wrong. That's unfair. I mean, these guys were like Israel's enemies. And they were, they were ruthless people. They were, they were harsh people. And Jonah did not want them to have mercy. He did not believe they deserved God's mercy. And he felt that God's grace was unfair. God's grace was unfair. Surely there are some people who deserve to suffer for what they've done. Am I talking to somebody in the house today? Yeah, there are people who just deserve <laughs> to suffer. The reality is that for most of us, there are certain people we don't feel anything for, and we don't think that they deserve mercy. You know, we went through the, a series recently called No Offense. And we're talking about forgiving people who've offended us. And I can tell you that series, the feedback I got, the pushback was insane. I mean, people ask you questions like, how, does, how do you expect me to forgive someone who abused me? How do you expect me to forgive somebody who raped me? How do you expect me to forgive a teacher who failed me because I wouldn't compromise sexually? and affected my life? How do you expect me to forgive a boss who, 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 who cut my career short because I wasn't willing to compromise? And people had real stories. It was not people making up stuff. And Pastor Angie, I know you had this feedback as well. I mean, every Sunday, people would come up and it's like, you, you don't know my story. You don't understand. <laughs> I, I mean, this stuff about forgiving is all nice, but you don't understand where I'm coming from. And you know, it's interesting because all of us, we have people like those. There are people who we're just indifferent to. It's like this person does not deserve mercy. In fact, some people, if you're very saved, you'll say, you know what? It's not that I don't want them to go to heaven. It's just that if they go there, I don't want them to be my neighbor. I, it's, like, it's like, let them get saved and go to, but just don't bring them close to me. It's like, I don't want to have anything to be associated with this person. And we had a lot of people with strong emotions. Because they're just those people who you feel, you know what, they deserve to suffer for what they do. And I don't feel anything for them. You know, it's interesting because Jonah did not feel anything for the Ninevites. He, he believed that they deserved punishment. They deserved suffering. Verse 5, the Lord replied to him, have you any right to be angry? It's like God is like, Jonah, really? Like, you're angry? <laughs> do you have a right to be angry? Guess what Jonah does? I mean, Jonah is, he's so fed up, he doesn't even answer. The Bible says, Jonah went out and sat on a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So, what does Jonah do? When God talks to him, he's so fed up, he just, he, he walks out. He like leaves God and just walks out. Then he goes and finds a place to sit and watch Nineveh. Because remember, if you're reading the story, God had said 40 days and Nineveh would be destroyed if they didn't repent. In three days, those guys had repented. All of them repented. Jonah is like, no, they are lying. They are not sincere. Something is wrong. God does not understand. These people are not, they cannot be saying the truth. And Jonah is like, there are still 37 days for God to see his errors. And I'm going to sit down over here and wait for those 37 days because these guys are faking. 
and is waiting for God to see how insincere these people are. At this point, very strangely, God provides. Somebody say, God is a provider. Yeah, God is a, we just celebrated that today. God is a provider. He's a giver of gifts. He provides some amazing gifts for a man who doesn't deserve, a man who's pouting, a man who's fed up, and God provides. So here's the three things that God provides. Uh, verse 6, it says, Then the Lord provided a vine and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort, and Jonah was very happy about the vine. I love that. It's like he's built like a little shelter. It's hardly anything. Then God just provides a beautiful vine. It covers. He just wakes up and one day there's a vine over him. The sun can't even reach him. He's protected. He's covered. And Jonah is just walking in favor. You know, walking in miracles. Living a life of favor. He knows who he is. He's so happy with God's provision. He's like, yes, this is what somebody like me deserves. He's, he, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. <laughs> Sometimes God blesses us and we, we just believe. I mean, I prayed. By the way, I'm, 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 I'm guilty of this. Like I've caught myself once in a while. Like I was so desperate when I was praying for that thing. I was so desperate. I did not believe it was going to happen. Then it happened. When I share the testimony, the testimony doesn't go with I was so desperate. It goes with, by the way, I prayed. Hey, you should have seen. Actually, my wife and I, we just, and we really prayed, huh? And then the thing, it's like the prayer is what brought the thing. We have forgotten how desperate and how useless we were before that thing was given. It's like it's about us. Jonah is happy. It's like this is how it's meant to be. Like people just open their homes for me to go to Mombasa and have holidays. Just like that. You know, it's because I'm a pastor. You guys didn't know that? It's called favor. Tell your neighbor, favor ain't fair. Yeah. It's like it's, like it's about, it's, it's like I prayed. You guys didn't even know. You, have you ever prayed for a holiday, you? Yeah. It's like you, you can even write a book about what you did for God to bless you. I mean, this is, jo this is Jonah. He's happy. He's living that life of faith. He's happy. But God is not done. Tell your neighbor, God is not done. Yeah, God is still in the business of providing. And so verse 7, at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed on the vine, so it withered. So the same word, God provided. The first thing he provided was a vine that covered and protected Jonah. The second thing he provided was a worm which destroyed the cover that Jonah had in his life. And it's God's provision. And Jonah is confused. What is this? How does this happen? Verse 8, God provides again. When the sun rose, God provided. Somebody say God provided. God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. So, so, so <laughs> this thing you need to understand, I mean, it's something that happens in Palestine, the east wind. It's, it's, uh, it comes from the Sahara, comes up, so it's from the desert. It's called a Sirocco. And this wind is such a, it's such a crazy thing because it comes, and it comes from the dry places. So what happens is humidity drops immediately. And the, temperature, the temperatures are already high, but they go up much higher. And this thing, it just dries you up like crazy. It's uh, fine dust. It has li these little particles of dust. They fill your nostrils. They fill your eyes. And it's insane. In fact, in certain Arabic countries, the law actually allows the judge to give you a reprieve if you commit a crime during a Sirocco. Like, it's understandable. Surely. The guy slapped his wife. Can you understand what he was going through? There was a Sirocco going on. Am I talking to somebody right now? I mean, this thing is crazy. It just makes you feel crazy. And God provides a storm that torments Jonah. And Jonah is faint at this point. And at this point, Jonah goes into a depression. Verse 8 continues. He wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. I want you to notice this is the second time this guy is expressing a suicidal thought. Second time in the same passage in verse 3. Jonah wanted to die. The reason he wanted to die in verse 3 is different. He wanted to die in verse 3 because he felt God was treating people who are evil the way only good people should be treated. But now in this verse, he wants to die because he feels God is treating people who are good the way only evil people should be treated. Are you seeing the, the flow here? This thing is about justice. 
Jonah just feels there are some people who should be treated like this, and there are some people who should be treated like that. And I am not one of... He, feel, he knows where he, he, he belongs. He knows who he is and what kind of treatment he deserves from God. He's one of the good guys. Tell your neighbors, I'm one of the good guys. Yeah, yeah, we're the good guys. I mean, we're in church. There are guys who are snoring right now. You know, you know what I'm talking about right now. There are guys who are asleep in hangover. I'm here. Surely, I'm one of the good guys. If this was a movie, when I walk in, the, mu the, the music is uplifting. It's It's inspiring. And then there are some other guys that walk in and the music just goes, do, 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 minor chords. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not one of those guys. I'm one of the good guys. Verse 9, God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about that vine? I do, he said. This time he didn't walk out on God. He actually replies, I do. I'm angry enough to die. <laughs> You know, it's interesting. This sounds so ridiculous. But I remember this happened to me once. I remember when I was uh, in high school. Uh, after high school, I went for a camp. And it was a Christian camp. And uh, I was not a Christian. And we had just finished Form 4 exams. And I had big plans to party. We had worked hard. We had read hard. We had even planned in the process of exams. We were even planning where the alcohol was going to be stashed. We were planning some serious, serious parties. And I was one of the ringleaders of the plans. Then my mom, without consulting me, she booked me into a Christian youth camp. Word of life. <laughs> and I remember I was so mad at my mom. I was like, what do you mean? I'm going, and it was those ones where you finish exams Friday, Monday, you're off. <laughs> but they have done the same to my kids. It's a very clever idea. If you have a Form 4 boy, that's the first thing you need to do for them. So anyway, so, so, I, was so, I, was so I was so mad. I'm like, what do you mean, mom? I'm going, like, we have parties, my friends. I'm, okay, don't say parties. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm going to my friend, their parents. I want to say <laughs> all the lies you can think of. Mom's, mom, somehow, I don't know how, whether it was mom who said it or one of my friends who said it, but he said, I hear there are beautiful girls in the camp. So I was like, okay. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe I can go for the camp. It's, how long did you say it was? One week. And I've finished exams. I have another whole situation. Fine. One week, eh? Let's, you've paid. Let's go. So I was like, now, yeah. So I need a Bible. <laughs> I got all the stuff I needed. So I went to the camp, and it was a, it's true. There were beautiful girls. And I was, I mean, I, I was like, I'm in the right place. And then um, what happened, very interestingly, on Tuesday night, this pastor was preaching, and he made an altar call, like, who would like to give their life to Jesus? And there was a boy who stood up called Joe. Now, Joe, <laughs> like us guys in high school, we, we were bad boys. I mean, I knew we were bad boys. But Joe was in another level. Like he was a principality. You know those guys who are, <laughs> like, like, they're bad guys, but even among the bad guys, they're bad guys. You, you know what I'm talking about? Joe used to provide drugs. I mean, in those days, by the way, drugs were not rampant in school. So a guy who was a drug dealer was a bad guy. I mean, Joe was a horrible, he was a horrible guy. Even to me, I used to shiver when I see him. I'm like that. I'm not, at least I'm not like that guy. And then the guy stands up and he goes forward. And he's prayed for and he gives his life to Jesus. I was so angry. Like, I was pissed. I was like, how do these guys call themselves Christians? Can they tell which kind of guy they've just prayed for? Like, even the pastor who's touching him, does he know who he's touching? Like, what this guy does? Does he know how this guy is a liar? Like, this guy, probably he's just trying to gain favor with the girls. Because even the girls I was sitting to, next to are going like, aww. And I'm like, do you guys even understand what's going on here? It's like, this is messed up. And I was so mad. I was so, so mad. I couldn't understand how, in fact, I remember the next morning I talked to one of, my, one of the counselors. He asked me, there's something wrong? I said, yes. Like, I'm so mad because if a guy like Joe can go to heaven, I don't want to go there. Like, I don't want to go to a heaven where a guy like that can go. I mean, that's how, this is Jonah's story. This is Jonah's story. Now, if you remind me, I'll tell you how this story ends. Because it's an interesting story. It has an interesting end. But this is Jonah looking at these guys and saying, if, this, if these are the kind of guys God has mercy on, I don't want that God. If these are the kind of people going to heaven, I don't want to go to heaven either. I don't believe these people deserve God's blessings. So two things you see with Jonah right there. Number one, Jonah thinks he deserves God's blessings. Jonah believes he deserves God's blessings. 
that there's somehow a way that God owes him. That maybe because he's one of God's chosen people, maybe because he's obedient, maybe because he's a prophet, maybe because he reads God's words, for some reason, Jonah believed that vine was his, it's like, I deserve it. It's mine. How dare God play with my vine? When things went well, he just believed this is what God does to people like me. This is what God does to people like me. Now, of course, none of you ever think like this because you're such nice people. But have you ever found yourself in a place where you caught yourself thinking, I'm a Christian. Why is God allowing these bad things to happen to me? Anybody who can be honest and say, yeah, I've actually thought that once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like yeah, like why? Like how, how is God allowing this to happen to me? And yet I'm a Christian. Uh, have you ever found yourself saying, I've prayed for so long, why am I still single? Oh, sh- maybe I shouldn't go there. Like I've prayed. There are people who are not even praying and they're getting married. Am I talking to somebody in the house? And here I am, still single. I mean, what's wrong with that? What, what's up with God? I come to church every Sunday. Why am I struggling at work? Anybody ever found themselves thinking like that? Like, like I'm a prayer person. Why is my health compromised? Oh, you saved guys never have thoughts like that. Maybe, I'm, maybe I shouldn't be sharing so openly about the kinds of things I think. Because eh? you guys are looking at me like I've got real issues. Like, none of you guys ever think like that? Yeah! This is how we think as Christians, isn't it? What a shock. Yeah. That's how Christians think all the time, by the way. It's like, of course, it happens. And it's even ridiculous things. You know, you enter somewhere and somehow the line, you, you show up at the right time and somebody puts you into an office and you get the document and you're like, yeah, favor. Yeah. I fasted. <laughs> yeah. I refuse to bribe somebody. Why is my business struggling? Anybody ever thought that? All the time, I get Christians asking me, why, why is it that I'm the one struggling? And yet, I'm doing it because I'm trying to honor God. Many times, we think that our, comp- our blessings are compensation. Our blessings are compensation. We believe that we are being paid back for our goodness. And that's how Jonah was. I'm blessed, I'm highly favored, and I deserve it. But here's a crazy thing that you need to understand. God blesses us. And we talked about, we've, talked, we've shared all our testimonies. God blesses. He blesses because he loves us. And God doesn't bless us because we're so deserving. God doesn't bless us because we're so handsome. God doesn't bless us because we're so prayerful. God doesn't bless us for any of those reasons. God blesses us. If you read the story of Abraham, you're going to find out that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. God blesses us so that he can pass blessings through us. God bless us so that we can be a channel of the things he gives us to be a blessing to others. That's why we are blessed. Tell your neighbor you're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah, you're blessed to be a blessing. Jonah forgot this because he thought that he was blessed because he deserved it. And he's like, how dare God take this away? My car has an accident. God, what's wrong with you? Don't you understand that this is my blessing? It's like Christians, many times we don't know how to deal with things going wrong. Because we feel like we deserve them in the first place. Listen, you didn't give yourself that job. Did you know that, by the way? Yeah. You didn't give yourself that business. You didn't give yourself that spouse. You didn't give yourself those children. They are gifts from God. They're gifts. You're blessed. And you're blessed to be a blessing. Your best to be a blessing. That's the only, that's a, so, that's, God wants you to be a channel. He blesses you because he loves you and because he wants you to be a blessing and bless others. But Jonah felt he deserved the blessing. And then number two, the other thing that you notice about this passage that's very interesting. Jonah was more concerned about his own blessings, his own comfort, than about the eternal destiny of those who are dying around him. I mean, Jonah was so obsessed with blessing. And about, with being in a place where God was blessing him, he was not concerned with the lives of those who were perishing around him, the Ninevites. Verse 10, the Lord said, Jonah, you've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. By the way, I, I kind of I think like that for myself. I get so concerned with blessings, sometimes very ridiculous blessings. Like, God just gives you something and you're like, ah, man, what do I need to do to make sure I'm positioned to get this thing over and over? It's ridiculous. I know I'm anikaring myself because you guys are looking so... By the way, do you guys in this church always look so spiritual? 
I'm getting embarrassed talking about the issues I go through because they don't look like they have issues. But, but, but I, remember, very, like, I remember once I was on a flight and somebody um, just said, sir, uh, please come, come forward. Pulled me out of the line and took me to the other line. You know the other line? The red line. And I was taken through and they put me in first class and all the way from Dubai to LA, I flew on first class. I had never experienced something like that. My God, it's another life. You guy, you are not in the same plane. I don't know how you think. As guys are passing you, you know, sometimes they make people, they torture people by making them pass you. Already that glass has come. You're sitting down, your legs are reclined. It's like, oh my goodness, it was such an experience. And I remember that the, the seven days I was in the U, I think it was seven to ten days, like every morning, all I was thinking about is, God, how do I get first class back? <laughs> like, like, like seriously, like honestly, I was like, Lord, what do I need to do? And I'm serious, like I actually prayed. Think about how many people are dying in this world. I used my prayers on a first class. And I remember going there, entering the line, and I'm prayed up, and I'm like, uh-huh. When the car, uh-huh, <laughs> check me out. And by the way, when I was not upgraded, I was taken to the back and I saw, you know, it, in fact, I remember just saying, this is cattle class. You know, it's like you're passing guys, their children are, smell, are crying and, and then you're being squeezed and then you're looking at another big guy coming towards you. You're like, oh God, what have I done to deserve this? Let me tell you, I'd forgotten where I came from. I'd forgotten the days that I used to dream that one day I could actually be on a plane. Are you understanding what I'm talking about? I'd completely forgotten all that stuff. And I'd gotten to a place where now this is the class I am. Am I talking to somebody right now? Yeah. You've forgotten that before you got that car you have, there's a time even thinking about owning a car was a miracle. But now, now, it's like, yeah, this is my car. This is the class that I belong to. Surely, God, I mean, I deserve this lifestyle. And this is what, God, Jonah is so obsessed with the things he deserves that he forgets that God has much bigger concerns. And God tells him, you're so concerned with this vine, you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died. But Nineveh has over 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? I mean, God is saying, listen, there are people starving. Nairobi is a city of five million people. Many people don't even know where they're going to get their breakfast tomorrow. And here you are, obsessed, waking up to come to church to pray for blessings. And it's all about you? Like, seriously, Jonah? Is that what it's about? And God is saying, think about me. Think about me. I made these people. I love them. I'm concerned about them. Every marriage, every child. Every one of them, they're mine. I love them so much. And I'm blessing you so you can be a blessing to them. How dare you turn this thing and make it about you? Why are you so concerned about yourself? You see, those things we are concerned about, those things we spend so much time praying about, that promotion, that visa, that business deal, that spouse, that house, those things are good and they're awesome. By the way, I'm not here to make you feel guilty about blessing. No, blessings are good. Who doesn't want to be blessed? Yeah, put your hand down because <laughs> you're lying, <laughs> you know? Anybody who put up their, put up their, all of us want to be blessed, isn't it? Yeah, and all of us, we like blessing. Even take a small child. But I remember the first time I took my child to a nice hotel, my firstborn. And I remember she entered, she looked around, and she said, wow, I belong. I mean, she didn't say the words, but you could just see how she just stretched. Eh? Like, this is where we should be all the time. Like, this is how we are. Human beings, we like nice things. We like the soft life. Who doesn't like? We like soft life, isn't it? Yes! And it's good. It's a beautiful thing. God made you like that. But here's the thing. When you make your passion for that soft life, your desire for yourself and your own promotion and your blessing become more important than caring for those people who are dying around you, that you are blessed to bless, then you lose it. And Jonah had completely lost it. Tell your neighbor, you're blessed to be a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. It's easy to be a Christian and sit in our comfortable churches and wait for God to destroy our sinful cities like Jonah, to feel nothing about the people in our homes, our estates, 
who are lost without God. They're desperate and they're lost without God to care nothing about them, to just wait for the next promotion, the next car, the next house. But you know, the primary reason God left us on earth was so that we can know Him and so that we can help, we can make Him known. That's why we're here, to know Him and to make Him known. That we can become a source of blessing to bless others. We're blessed to be a blessing. So this chapter ends. And by the way, this is the most abrupt ending of any book in the Bible. Like it just ends with that question. You're not concerned and then it's over. It's like, what happened, God? How did you not end it? I have a theory about why it ends like this. I really believe God wants us to remove Jonah and insert ourselves. And his question to us is, what will you do about the people around you who are dying without God? What will you do about those nephews and nieces who are being brought up by social media? Completely lost. No values. Completely lost. And nobody's talking to them because you're so busy with your job, what will you do about those people? What will you do about your watchman and, 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 and the lady who works for you, who don't know God and who are so lost without him, but you're too busy doing what you're doing to care about them? What will you do about those, those brothers and sisters, about your parents? What will you do? And if not you, then who? Tell your neighbor you're blessed to be a blessing. Yeah. So I want to conclude. I think this is such a, it's such a challenging place for this to end. And I'm always concerned about that. I mean, I remember just thinking when God blessed me with my holiday, I was like, God, wow. <laughs> I need to be a blessing to other people. I need to bless somebody. I can't come home and just say, oh, man, I, yeah, you're ready to be blessed. Eh? Don't, don't worry. I've already, I've, already, I've already blessed the people. I'm bl but it's true. I mean, God blesses us for what? So that we can bless others. Somebody around me, like the people who work for me, need to feel the blessing that I've felt. If I'm blessed, they should be blessed as well. Yeah, they should experience blessing because I'm blessed to be a blessing. So I just want to encourage us, guys. And as I conclude, let me say this. Um, our, our, our prayer is that you will work together. In this church, we have what we call our discipleship groups. And that as a discipleship group, my challenge to all our groups is that you're actually going to be praying together and asking, who are the people we are here to impact? Who are the people who should be in this group being blessed as we are? Our miracles are not just for us. Have you guys noticed that this church has experienced an undue number of miracles? Have you guys noticed that? Like every Sunday I've been here, there's been stories upon stories of incredible miracles. I mean, who comes from three years of joblessness to being a CFO? Like, like guys, you guys are living in uncommon favor. It's real blessing. And my encouragement is, how would you begin to now talk about as discipleship groups? Who needs to be here? They're not being blessed because they're not here. Who should we be inviting to join our discipleship group? Who should we be bringing on Sunday to be part of the community that God is blessing so much? Who should we be concerned about? Because God is concerned about them. That's a challenge I want to leave you with. This church is a fun church. Like, I'm, I'm already sad that my month here has ended. Like, I've had so much fun. Uh, Pastor Carol wasn't able to come today. She had some commitments. But she was like, man, you're going to have fun. She's like, that I just enjoy that church. Every time after church, you guys have such nice fellowship. You connect. It's beautiful. It's awesome. But it's, it's a mistake to feel that this thing is so nice, let's keep it to ourselves. It would be a big mistake to do that. I really believe God wants whatever blessing is in this church to multiply to many, many, many others. And I believe that the next time I come here, this hall will be full and you'll already have moved to a second service. Why? Because there are people asleep, isn't it? We just talked about that. They're asleep at, at home, missing out on what God has for them. And yet here are people who God is blessing. So, that's it. You're blessed to be a blessing. Amen? Let me just pray for us as we conclude. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. I thank you because, Lord, in this place are blessed people. And I'm not just saying it. I know that there's something you're doing in this church. That is really blessing people. And even for those people who are visitors and who are new, who are looking for a church to belong, I want to just encourage you, this is the, this is the best place to be. Because God is definitely moving in this place. And who doesn't want to be in a place where God is moving? I thank you because you're already moving among them. And that there are miracles everywhere in this church. And they will continue to be. I thank you for that. In fact, I declare it over this church. This is a blessed church. But Father, I pray that you, you'll cause us to be a people who are hungry to represent you. Cause us to be a people who are restless to pass on those blessings to others. 
that Lord will never be satisfied just being blessed, more and more blessed while there are people around us who don't share your blessing. They don't know you. They don't have the resources we have. That Lord, you'll cause us in this church to be channels of blessing and that the people around us will be blessed. I speak over you that people will be blessed because of you. People will be blessed because of you. And right now, I just also want to pray for somebody who's in this church. I, 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 I feel I'd be remiss, even as I make this prayer, to not pray for somebody who's not given their life to Jesus. Maybe you're here today for the first time, or maybe you've been coming for a while, but for some reason, you never gave your life to Jesus. <laughs> maybe you saw people who are hypocrites, and you said, my goodness, I don't want to be like those people. Maybe you just had a, a disillusionment at one point, and you just felt, I don't want to walk with God. Or maybe somebody never gave you an opportunity to respond to a call like this one. But I want to invite you today to do a bold thing. I want to invite you to invite Jesus into your heart. You know why you do that? It's because you'll never find your purpose unless you invite the one who gave you purpose to be the one who leads you. And what I want to invite you to do today is to discover what many people in this church have discovered. The joy of work, walking with your purpose giver. And if you're here, I'd, lo I'd love to pray for you, uh, even as we conclude our service. So I'm going to ask you if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, or maybe you're, you've, been, you've known Him, but you've been so far from Him. Right now, if you think about your life, you'd say, I, I, I knew God, but I'm not walking with Him. I'm not aligned to Him right now. And you're like, I want to give my life back to Him and to be aligned to Him. I'm going to ask you to just do a bold thing. Raise your hand and then put it down again. And we're just going to celebrate with you, and I'll lead you in a quick prayer. Just raise it up. If you're here, you're saying, Pastor, pray with me. I'd love to give my life to Jesus. I'd love to realign my life with the one who gave me that life. Just raise it up and then put it down again. Don't be shy about your neighbors. Don't be shy about who's here. I see you, my brother. Thank God for your I see that hand. Praise God for you. Anybody else? Let's celebrate him as he puts up his hand. Anybody else? Just join that brother who's put up his hand. Just raise your hand wherever you are and say, Pastor, pray for me. It will be such a joy for me. This is probably the reason you came today. For no other reason except for you to say, I've been walking away from God, but now I'm going to walk towards God. I'm going to run towards God's purpose for me. Just raise it up. Don't be shy. Don't, don't worry about your neighbor. They've got issues enough of their own. <laughs> this is not about them. This is about you and about your maker. Wherever you are, just raise your hand and put it down again. I'd love to pray for you. And by the way, I'm not doing this to pressure you in any way. I'm doing this because that's my story. Someone allowed me to make this decision. The next night, after Joe had made that decision, I came to the church, the same service, and the same pastor was preaching. And he made the same altar call. He, made, he invited people to know their, give their life to Jesus. And you know, I don't know what happened that day, but I decided I'm going to try this thing. And I raised my hand. And I came to the front. And the crazy thing, is this experiment. I call it an experiment. I was like, if God is there, I'm going to have to see my life change. It changed my life so 180 degrees that right now I look back and I'm like, this is the kind of God we're talking about. He's able to take your life, put purpose into it. He showed me why He created me, why I was living on earth. And I'm so grateful I got to know Him. I no longer just exist, but I live for the purpose I was created for. And if you'd like to know that purpose, I'm going to invite you, just raise your hand. Do that experiment like I did. And say, Pastor, pray for me. And I want to dare God today on your behalf that He will show you the purpose He created you for and that you're going to live for Him. Just raise it up and put it down again. I would love to pray for you. Wherever you are, just raise it up, put it down again. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to just lead that brother who's, who raised his hand in a prayer. And I'm going to ask anybody else. By the way, if you're, there's no pressure, but if you're here and you'd like to say that prayer, maybe you're shy for some reason, but I'm going to invite you to say this same prayer with him uh, as we pray. And this is a prayer. By the way, for all of you who've prayed this prayer, just join in praying these words. Just say these words. Dear Jesus, I come before you today to give you my life. From this day forward, I will serve you. I am yours. I am saved. Help me to become everything that you created me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's appreciate that, brother.
So Pastor Angie tells me that we're going to have communion. Uh, we're going to have Holy Communion, which is a very important thing. We're not going to take long with it, but it's just a way for us to connect with who God is and His blessing over us. We're blessed. Yeah, we're blessed. He is such a God, a God of blessing. Uh, and so we're going to, he's, she's going to lead us in communion. I wanted to do something special. That day when Pastor Matthews prayed for me, remember I told you, I came up to the front. When Joe had gone up, there was a whole crowd that went up. So when the pastor called, I went to the front for my experiment, and I was sure there were many people behind me. And then I looked back, I was the only one in the whole church that day who gave their life to Jesus. And the pastor prayed over me. That pastor is still a good friend of mine today. Uh, he didn't know he was calling out a pastor. He didn't know that God was going to use me. Today, I've pastored his children. Uh, their lives are different because of me. He didn't know that, my, that he was actually changing huge things because I made that prayer that day. So I'm actually going to call this brother to come up front, the one who gave, just come up, because I want to just speak over you right now. You're the one guy in the church. And I bless God for you. What's your name, sir? David. So David, I want to just speak a blessing over you. Because I really believe this is a special day for you. And it's a day that's going to change not just your life, but many, many, many lives. And so, Father, I just speak a blessing over your son. I declare over him, as was declared over me those years ago, that this man will be a blessing to the nations. Amen. I declare that, Father God, his family will be blessed. I even speak over his wife right now, the one he's not met yet, that, Lord, you give him the right wife who will help him to live the life you call him to. I declare that his children will be blessed. I declare that his ministry will be blessed. His career will be blessed. I declare that, Father God, the enemy would never be able to distract this man from his purpose. And I declare that, Father God, goodness and favor, the goodness and favor I've experienced in my life, he will experience it in double measure. And that, Lord, people, he will look back to this day and remember that the church prayed for him and that something different happened that day. And so I speak God, God's blessing over you, David, the man after God's heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Like, who gets that? Amen. I wanted to just respond to the word of the Lord uh, today and even the whole month. I think the thing I love about this sermon um, mostly is that at the end, Jonah thought he was going to preach to people, but in, in the end, the message became for him. And I pray none of you will miss out on what God is saying to us. This is what it ends with, and I want to read it uh, for us in Jonah 4.11. It says, and should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? Should I not have concern for the great city of Nairobi? Should I not have concern for the greater Nairobi South? Should I not have concern for the nations that are represented in this room, in which there are more than 120,000 people, in which there are millions who cannot tell their right from their left, and also many animals? Amen? I want to invite us to share bread together because this is communion Sunday. But the reason I really want to do that is God is, is realigning our hearts. I think that's what God is doing. The conviction that I have about today um, is that today is at the beginning of an unlocking for us into the, uh, the place of purpose that God is calling us into as a people and as a nation. Amen? Nairobi South. I'm saying Nairobi South. All of you. Mavuno South. <laughs> God is calling you to speak to the nations. God is calling you into that place of purpose. God is telling you to rise up. Amen? So I don't know what situation is going on around you, but this is what I'm convinced about today, that God is unlocking the unlikely heroes here for us to speak to the nations. And so I feel so privileged that Pastor M chose out of 30 churches to come and preach to us today, this, this month. And I'm convinced that God wants to do something through us. In, in, the, in the Bible, it's said that at the time when the, before the Israelites moved into their, to take possession of their land, or every time they, when they left Egypt, they ate together, they broke bread together. When they were about to cross, the difference about them crossing the Jordan was for them to take possession of the new land. They had to participate. Tell your neighbor, participate. 
you need to participate. He told them, walk into the Jordan. Well, before he parted it for them, you need to step into the place. He told them, it's time for you to sing and march around the city. Some strange instructions, but walls of Jericho fell down for them to take possession of their property. I think that what God is going to do in and through us as Mavuno South and this network, because we represent the network in this room, is that God is going to ask us to do some strange things in the days to come. We're going to believe God for miraculous favor in work. But he's going to position us for global roles. We went for a conference just to, was it a weekend ago, where the woman who was speaking said, prophetically, God is doing something in four nations. Was it four or five? Maybe there were five. She said, Kenya, Ghana, Uganda, Nigeria, and South Africa. Do you people know that Michelle, my sister, has been praying for a global role? She prayed for that. And the job that she got is in those five nations. We looked at each other and said, ah, is God prophetically saying something over my sister? Yeah, she's a pastor to the nations. So I called her in Nigeria, and I go, she's in Nigeria now. I called her and I said, ah, let me tell you the word. You are prophetically working over the five nations that God is doing something in this season. Now that is the word of the Lord to you in this room. God is saying no longer can you sit and people are dying. You're called to be a blessing for nations. So I told her, yeah, God has opened up the world to you, but now you're a pastor to the nations. And so I told her now, in fact, it's so funny, this Sunday I think she's going to Adeboe's church. Her boss knows uh, Adeboe of RCCG. I laughed. I told her, position yourself for the nations. May he lay hands on you because God is positioning you. And that's what I believe for all of us here. Amen. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet because I want us to receive this word that Pastor M has spoken over us. Let's stand, church. Because the Israelites, on that day when they took, they, they had, they shared the, the meal together, they took it standing because they were walking into their promise. We will not wander in the desert. Amen? You need to participate. Get up at 4.30 a.m. and pray. Be active in your DG. Engage in the conversations of family night. Serve in this church. Serve in the kids' ministry. Engage because we are moving in the direction that God is calling us into. Amen? It says in 1 Corinthians 11.23 that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. I want you to open up your this thingy. It is an art to open it. He said, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. I want to make a prayer and then we'll take the bread together. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you and I remember all that you have done for us on the cross. I thank you so much for loving us so much as your children. I thank you for loving me that you gave up heaven for us. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken so that ours may be made whole. And so, Father, as we partake and we receive your resurrection life, Father, today we receive full health. Today we receive full strength that by your grace we shall be completely strong and healthy all the days of our lives. Father, our eyes shall not go dim, nor shall our strength be abated. Father, no sickness that is in our body shall remain because you were raised from the grave. And that same spirit flows through us. And so I speak your strength over us to do the task which you have called us to do. We receive healing for those of us that need healing because by your stripes we are healed. And now we eat the bread together. In the same way, he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your precious blood. I thank you that you are washing each and every one of us clean of all our sins. And now we stand before you completely righteous and forgiven. We stand before you this morning aligned to the vision that you have called us into. And that is to go and make disciples of all nations. And so, Father, we thank you because your blood has redeemed us from every curse. Today, we can receive all the blessings, all the blessings from the top of our head to the soles of our feet to walk in the righteousness of God. And wherever we go, the righteousness of God goes with us. And so, we drink your blood now in Jesus' name. Father, what a beauty it is to belong to a family. What a beauty it is to walk in righteousness, to walk in boldness. And so this morning as a community, as a network, as speakers of the nation, Father, we receive your anointing to do all that you have purposed for us to do in changing your world. And so I speak over every man, every woman, every family represented here. I speak the anointing and the favor of God. I speak that they will walk in purpose. I speak courage and boldness to speak life into situations. I speak courage and boldness to speak clarity and courage. Father, I speak against every plan of Satan. I pray that today people will walk in the purpose that you have called them to walk into, aligned to the vision that you have called us, that we will make disciples of all nations. And so, Father, we come before you empowered as your children to speak life and hope to this country and to the nations that you have called us into. And so, Father, now we wait with expectation. We wait with expectation for your victory, for your blessing, for us to be a blessing to the nations. In Jesus' name, I pray and all God's people say, amen, amen, amen. amen. Let's give a shout of praise to Jesus. I love it. I'm so excited about this month. I'm excited about next month's series. This series was amazing. Pastor M, thank you so much for spearheading it. And thank you for coming to South. I'm so privileged. Watch this space, Pastor M. Watch this space. Did you guys hear what he said? By the next time he visits, the place will be full. I received that in Jesus' name. Two services even. I said I received it. I received it. I receive it for you and your family and your neighborhood. Amen? Amen? I receive it. Today is Family Sunday, so that means we have some tea for all of us and snacks. And so I want to celebrate you. If this is your first time visiting, if you brought your visitor, kindly make sure you go all the way to the back because we have something special for them. I'm so glad that you guys have come. Thank you so much. I'll see you next Sunday. We're starting a new series on prayer I cannot wait to see what God will do. See you tomorrow morning. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.